welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. I'm Jason Richmond, a fourth generation road builder who started on a shovel and now serves as the Chief Operating Officer at BuildWit. On this podcast, we will dig into the construction world, exploring the challenges, successes, and strategies that shape exceptional leadership and build a thriving workforce in the dirt world. Join us as we sit down with some of the brightest minds and trailblazers in the construction industry. Our guests are leaders who have navigated the trenches, built businesses, cultivated strong teams, and fostered innovation to build the infrastructure that shapes our world. From technology, equipment, suppliers, and contractors, their experiences and insights will inspire and empower professionals at every level. Please join me in welcoming our next guest, Jim Foley, President and CEO of Groundworks Safety Systems and EFI Attachments. With more than 30 years of experience in the construction industry, Jim uses EFI to develop and build high-quality construction equipment attachments that have served Western Canada since 2001. He has developed unique manufacturing processes that provide precision and excellence second to none. EFI can custom build anything you need with a quality unsurpassed in the market. With his company, Groundworks Safety Systems, he has invented a worldwide market-changing trench shoring system unmatched in safety, speed, and ease of use. Safety is the number one reason for this invention. His team has many years of experience using high tensile steel in the attachment industry and has applied this knowledge to the shoring industry, creating an unprecedented product line. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with you today, Jim. Welcome to the Dirt World Podcast. Thank you. Hey, good to finally connect, see you. We've, we've chatted a few times on the phone, but this is a new relationship. Excited to introduce you and your organization to, uh, to our listeners. Uh, but as we get started, just love to hear a little bit more about your story. I mean, I hear inventor and entrepreneur screaming out there. So tell me a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are. Well, you know, I grew up in the industry. I was the kid hanging off the post of a crawler dozer digging basements with my dad and hanging on as tight as I could to make it and traveling from spot to spot. And he had one of the first backhoes in our area when I was young and we, uh, I got to be a part of that. And so right from the time I was little, I've been around farming and construction equipment. And I went from there into oil field. And then from oil field, I actually left Northern Alberta and moved more towards uh, Southern Alberta West into the Rocky Mountains, moved into the Banff Canmore area, started um, started building parks and trails, industrial landscaping, working for some really good land developers out there and we couldn't get what we wanted for equipment. So we started importing our own machines in and we couldn't get the attachments we wanted because we were in glacial till and really hard, hard to work ground. And so we started drawing our stuff with bandsaw blades and cardboard on the floor with my father-in-law and building our first attachments back in 99 and 2000. And then we seen that this was something we could do. We got asked by the cat dealer if we could help, if they, if we could help them. So we invent, we grabbed them a few of their packages, like 20 or 30 packages started with. And then the next year we got asked if we could handle them. And they sent us 700 orders in three weeks. We were in 1200 square feet. It was, it burst us. And we went from there to 9,000 to 16,000. And now we're in 74,000 square feet. 
since the start of all that. So that was 2006 to now really is when we, when we went. That's incredible. You just covered like two decades in less than two minutes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take it back a little bit, man. It, growing up, you know, family business around, you know, construction. Have you always loved it? What was, was it just in your blood or was it something that you just kind of by default have just never gotten away from it? Like what's, What's your story in, in terms of that? I've, I've always really been inclined to, you know, I, I enjoyed working hard and it's, it's good. It was always good hard work. You know, I, I was helping at 13, 14, 15 years old doing, you know, water and sewer and oil, oil field maintenance and cleanup. And I was involved in all the aspects of it. And, and as I kept going, that was the direction I went in. I, uh, I actually ran a, before I was 19 years old, I ran a 30 to 40 man crew in oil field maintenance and I kept that going. I remember when my dad would come, he'd always tell me, he'd check with the guys, are you sure he's doing okay? Because I default and let him take over. But when I ran it, I ran it. I'd go from four in the morning to seven at night and I made sure everything was organized, taken care of it. My people had all their jobs and, and I just loved it. And so just went from there to, to doing what I'm doing now. And, and the, I never knew that I would manufacture product, but when we started developing our own high tensile steels and it was going and we got asked if they could handle us, that's kind of what, you know, it became then the inventive side and thinking what would work better. And I knew exactly what I wanted for equipment. I knew the kind of thumb I wanted or the kind of bucket I wanted or the shape I wanted. So as I went, it, it was quite often what other people would want too. And so I was looking for the way all the time. That's awesome. Problem solution. That's right. I like <laughs> yeah. You know, hearing you talk about, you know, working hard, you know, organization, uh, you know, leading by example, those are all, you know, just incredible characteristics of, of great leadership, you know, in the dirt world. And it sounds like from, you know, you had great mentors growing up, your father, potentially others, you know, where, where do you draw some of your inspiration from a leadership standpoint? You know, it started when I was going, for sure, my father, uh, hardworking man, still he's in his, he's in his mid eighties and he still at, goes to work every day. He's got, he can't quit, you know, even with some different challenges he hits, he still, well, I still got 10 hours in today. I'm like, well, maybe it should be putting in a little less. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so there would be one, um, Lots changed in like 96, 97, just really wanted life to be different, really started to press, you know, yeah, man's, man's mind developed, you know, when you hit your late twenties, early 30, time to get going and do business, always wanted to, always had ideas and just uh, had Frank Kernick and Bruce Stewart were the land developers I worked for in Canmore. They helped me get my first business going. And that was from there, just kept pressing to try to, Augmandino's University of Success when I was 18 was a good book, you know? Yeah. And uh, the man who says he can't is often interrupted by the man doing it. You know, ah. was definitely what I, got, what I got out of that. <laughs> and that's, that's been a favorite saying all my life. Yeah. Reminds me of that man in the, the arena conversation. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Roosevelt. Very good. So do you have, uh, so obviously you're, uh, you grew up in the business. Your father kind of got you started. You've started this business. So you're first generation. Do you have additional family members that are in the business as well? Yes. My wife is head of marketing 
awesome. she's she's really stepped in. She homeschooled all. I've got I my son-in-law was in. Uh, they've moved to South Africa. My daughter's going to be a lawyer, so uh, wow. he's amazing at marketing. All of our all of our first marketing, our website, our stuff was all Sean Latsky. He's he really is amazing at. I've yet to see somebody be able to do. A lot of people have copied what he's done. He really sees it in a different way. So he he really helped us, and then I got my my boy Jackson, and I got Josiah and Daniel all working. Now that they've come out of school, they haven't decided what they're doing yet totally. So they're in, you know, one's welding, one's working all around the shop, helping the other one's just getting into machining and and uh, and the paint and assembly side of things. They're going to come to the expo, and we're going to be at the utility expo in Kentucky. They're coming there, and they'll be helping do setup and takedowns and and uh, you know help in all aspects of that really incredible yeah it's interesting you know grew up you know my dad was in the dirt world obviously serving on a uh, at a, at a uh, material supply and construction company and so grew up riding around in the truck and it was we built this and we built that and you know we built this and so lots of conversations around it I turned 18 got my my start on a shovel working on a grade crew then I was in a paving crew and I kind of, there was kind of this weird thing. Like I always thought I was going to get out of it, but there was something that just kept me in it. And as I continued to learn, as I continued to build the teamwork, as I continued to enjoy what we were doing, building those tangible things, roads, bridges, you know, leaving things behind that, that was impacting society I actually fell more in love with it, you know, just as, as time went on. So I wonder if, if your kids will have that same experience or if they'll decide to take a, take a, take a turn. You know, I don't know. Like I've got one starting to get, I love machines. I still, I still have, you know, uh, excavators and mini excavators and skid steers, uh, you know, around me on the weekends. I don't, that is my place sometimes is to go and do different things. I live on a fair size acreage. And, and so I really do, I really still do love running equipment. So I get them around it quite a bit and it, it helps me understand. And I use it quite a bit for when we're coming up with, if we're coming up with something new, I do the operating of it and just, you know, you get to see and know what's going on. Like even building, building the trans box and having somebody work around you and trust you as you're moving equipment is, is uh, there's no feeling like that to understand that you need to take care of your people. And 100%. so it, it, there really isn't like when you're running those machines. So yeah, I think they will. And if they don't, I want to back them in what they want to do, what makes them come alive, you know? Yeah. And so, That's cool. I, I will say that I do think the conversations are starting to shift as we talk with more and more people. There was, you know, this conversation used to be go to college and go do something else. And now it's, hey, actually, this is a pretty big industry and there's lots of roles and responsibilities within the dirt world, whether you're in the field or you're in the office. These are all big businesses. So IT and HR and marketing and sales and strategy executive leadership, you know, there's the whole office side of things, but then, you know, even within the field side of things, you can go from laborer to operator to foreman to superintendent. So it's, it's a pretty broad, you know, um, industry. And, you know, it's interesting. I got a 14 year old daughter and a 12 year old son. And, you know, I talk with them about the dirt world often. And I have a feeling my daughter's very interested in the creative side, the storytelling, the photography, my son, he's more of a hands-on likes the equipment. I can see him, you know, maybe owner operator or moving in that direction at, at some sort. So, you know, we've still got a few years of development, but it'll be a, 
it'll be interesting to see where they end up and uh hopefully uh their fifth generation you know that would be really cool let them let them learn and play on some machines that's the that you can put a, a young person like my brother at three years old could dig a a hole with a backhoe you know you can put young people on machines and just they're very similar to a video game well look at what they're doing in the you know in the virtual world with the, with all the simulators and stuff we're we're watching that and and it's not the same, but it sure gives you the principles to be able to begin doing it that way. So things are coming up like there's there's a real career in the dirt world. Like yeah. I'm in the manufacturing side and I still crave, I, you know, I still crave that. Should have almost kept the construction business going, but I just couldn't do it all. So it was, uh, it, it took it over. I, I, I ended up in this invention side and I actually really like it because it, it's about, you know, helping whole groups of people with challenges and that's the part that that I really enjoy about it but I still the the it's a challenge getting a job and and getting it profitable and pulling it off there's people in Calgary that that uh, um, they take things on and do jobs completely different than anyone else out there bluecon bluecon excavating they'll they how he goes about doing his jobs are completely different than anyone else does and yeah and I'll tell you what he's He's done well. Matt's done really well for himself. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, even being at Buildwood, it's uh, being an entrepreneur and running a business. You know, I say all the time, you know, we're, we're building a business. I'm not building roads and bridges anymore, but we're building a business. And everybody goes about it differently. And so I think that that's one thing I love about the world that we live in with information and relationships and transparency is everybody does it a little differently and we can learn from other people, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what, you know, and then you got to try things, default aggressive moving things forward. So I love you started to go down the path of talking about, you know, you're a manufacturer. It's a good opportunity for us to really dig into your business a little bit. Talk to me. Let's first talk just briefly about EFI and, and, you know, how that business came about and talk to me a little bit about that. And then we'll jump right into Groundworks. Well, it was, it was from being in construction back when, you know, and, and with my father-in-law, hey, do you want to do business with me? And he's like, yeah, he, Don Ellis is his name, Ellis Fabrications, yeah. Inc., EFI Attachments. So um, it's funny, Ellis actually means the Lord is my God. It's, mm. <laughs> is a really odd thing in the whole thing. And, uh, you know, that's it's, great. Yeah, it's really kind of cool that, that it came out that way because it's part of my belief system. So Amen. Uh, Don's, Don, uh, man, could put anything together. And uh, really appreciated working with him in the years I did. Uh, really special man, and and so he he helped us get it going. But it was you know got things different throughout different things. It gets risky and hard, and different things you take on and do. But we really went after compact excavator attachments because that's what I was into. And then we got into wheel loader, and then we came up with different grapples and. Uh, our, our grapples have been copied by just about everyone in the industry where we, they'll still use square tubing. I'll only use high tensile steels in, in my whole grapple. I have grapples out there for years and years that aren't coming apart because if the steels put together the same, it flexes all the same. If you use the same steels throughout, one doesn't work hard in the other and create stress cracks in it. It actually just bends and flexes that really spring high tensile steel just lasts and lasts out there. So. We used everything on a flat plate, inverted our cylinders, tucked all the hoses away, just really go after, you know, as an operator, when you're banging things and bumping into things and always using it for what it's not meant to do. 
um, that's kind of what I've looked at is, well, if I'm running it or I'm doing it, this is how I want it, you know? So that's kind of been the way the whole time. A lot of times it's been, we've had standing orders for something. I said I could do something and uh, scrambling at times, you know, we invented just a little wee hydraulic cylinder to go on a small, like a three ton excavator. Uh, and the only thing that would fit in there is what we did. We took a square block, drilled a hole in it, put all the ports and everything right in it. So then we got two inches of stroke out of just a tiny little block would normally it'd be, and it takes up all the real estate and it doesn't fit in the bucket and doesn't work properly. So it was all, it's coming up with different things as you're doing it and operating. You know, I like those Eureka moments when you get to, when you get to come up with something. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people have ideas and they write them down or they think about them for years and they never take action. But you've yes. got this, you've got this action, invention, build, manufacture, create mindset of just taking risk and, 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 you know, going for it. So, man, that's, that's pretty unique. Uh, and I'm, you know, kind of just come to the realization, like you're running two major businesses here. You've got EFI and you have groundwork. So obviously you've probably surrounded yourself with really good people, uh, you know, for both businesses, but how did the transition take place from EFI to Groundworks and when did that start? I was in 2014. It was actually Keenan Wellwood from uh, Finning Canada, cat rental store here. He said Enbridge was having problems. They, uh, they changed their mandate from a 90% to a 70% max lift of an excavator. So what that did is it put, it put them on the, the machine got bigger to be able to lift the same trench boxes, to be able to lift the same equipment. Then when the machines got bigger, the mats had to get bigger, then the jobs got more expensive. And they literally, just by changing that one mandate, their job costs doubled at times. And so Keenan said, hey, you play with the high tensile steels. I'm trying to get someone to do this. Would you want to invent a trench box? So I'm like, sure, we'll try. So we, we got an engineer and he worked with us for six or seven months to develop We've got a box 53% lighter than everybody else's. It copied everyone else's, the old design with the collars and the spreaders. And we were able to get it the same depths, meter exceed the depths. And then when I went out to assemble the boxes, they were building it in an unorthodox way. And I was just, I had, you know, they wanted some of these boxes. They wanted to be able to take care of this. While I'm standing there, it's like, I, I can't do this. I wouldn't put my children in there and I wouldn't go in there myself. And I, I promised that I wouldn't never put it like even in the oil field when I was a kid, if I made someone else crawl under a building, pushing gravel with their elbows, I'd go under there and do it with them too. You know, and, and that's, I just would do, I would only do what I, I would only have someone do what I, I would do myself. And so when I was standing there, I, I couldn't do it. And I was just like, okay, I can't. And there's like, Oh, I got it. I got it. I know what I'm going to do. And I, I actually was recording when I was, cause I was watching to learn and I was told I wasn't allowed to say anything, just watch. And I'm like, I got it. They were doing it unorthodox and I could see, okay, I got the cage. I can put the panels click and it boom and, and it, it's okay. And then it's like, so from there, then engineering it, it's like, well, everyone tries to connect things to it. So we went after the second part of the patent that we got and that's a universal connection system around it. So that part of it connects all the rails and all the davit arms and the ladders and the stairs and, and the boxes together and it inverts the boxes and makes them go three and four wall. And all those things were done right as we were engineering it. When 
before they built these giant panels and then they were like, well, what could we put on these? But there's already so many out there. And once you go down a path, you have to stay kind of with that. So inventing this was really fun and it's got its place, but it's been difficult because there is so much of the other existing product out there. Yeah. So I, I have a little bit of an advantage because I went to the website. I've watched some of the videos. I've seen how the boxes are built and, and put together. But for our listeners, there may be a lot of people out there that have no idea who you are, what you do, or what these boxes even are. So if you could try to articulate in a way to a listener what your boxes, how they come together, what the advantages are. Just describe your product a little bit so that they can better understand uh, what you're offering. Okay, so normally you would lay a panel down. That's the traditional way. And you put four pipes in the panel. And if it's really, it's especially when it gets to a wider spread, then you have to lift the other panel up and people get underneath and they got to get the pipes connected to the panels. And, and then they climb up on ladders and they put the pins in and, and it's arduous. It, look, the guys that are good at it are good at it. The really good operators, they can do anything. But for, it's a learned, it's a learned art. It really is like, yes, there's people that just got it, but it, it is a learned art. And when I was standing there, what I was seeing is I seen these gates. Like, so it was just like a square stand in two places instead of the two pieces of pipe that were separated, I was trying to connect them in my head. And I'm like, oh, just connect them together and then lay the pieces on at an angle. And when you lift it up, it just all clicks together. And it's that, it's that motion, it's that use of motion in the, in the patent that is part of it. It's the method of assembly that, you know, everyone else static builds theirs. I use motion to put it together. And, it, and so you can take any size box. It can be 30 feet wide by 30 feet long. And, and it's built the exact same way as long as you got a big enough piece of machinery as a small box. So it's not this, it doesn't get any more dangerous or arduous. You can still build it with just two people instead of needing up to four or five or six people when they get that big and, you know, three or four pieces of equipment. And, and again, I'm saying it in a certain way. I've seen it certain ways. I've talked to lots of different people. Other people say their own way that they can do it. So I don't want to say sure. that it can't be done a certain way, but it's... Uh, yeah. When we did that and then just getting it out there and, and getting it into the hands of the people and, and seeing how much more efficient it is in whole cost of job savings, that was the whole, that was the start of it. You know, we actually, we actually got a standing ovation from, there was 28 people, uh, contractors and Enbridge people that attended and they, they actually stood up and clapped their hands for us because we built a box, a really large one in 11 minutes and it normally would have been a couple hour job. Wow. And so that was, uh, and we had like six of us standing there all in hard hats, everyone left. And then me and Kelsey, she, she wasn't much over five feet tall and she grabbed, grabbed the rope, put it all together with me we built it, stood it up and they were just, we blew them away. You know, yeah, it was really incredible. fun. Yeah. We've, we've done a lot of work with them and we've actually in Western Canada, we definitely on the trench box for trench safety, trench boxes we we hold the market share for sure that's fantastic through a few contract or through a few suppliers but mostly the cat rental store Kime industries and cooper equipment out this way very good I'm, I'm just curious about the patent patent process that you mm. went through was that for canada and us or how does that work 
I got a PCT, a patent cooperative treaty, and it's we're going for over 70 countries. Wow. So it's it's through in quite a few countries. I think we have over 20 some countries now that it's through in, but it is arduous and not cheap. And then mm. I, I lost Russia because we couldn't send any money to Russia. Uh, <laughs> you know all this, but so I lost I lost the the patent there. I, we actually had a really large job we did on there that was it was really fun. It was it was quite a wish we would have got it. I did I should have moved there and went and done the job with them because that's what they wanted. They wanted us to come there and manufacture there. It would have been a really fun. It was years ago. It was a right in the beginning in 2015 when we started 2016. So, so your products are being sold all over the world. Yeah, you know we. We now I, I've got a I've got a partner in the last couple of years. His name is Mike Sirwa, and uh, he's he owned a company called uh, Reliance Industrial. He sold it to Applied Technologies, and then he got into real estate and other things. He's in he's in his early fifties. He's a gentleman. He, he he's just a gentleman. He's, I really enjoy him. Uh, I think you know we've gotten to be good good friends. We trust each other, and that's the main thing. And and having that backing now, because he can back us to do things I just couldn't do on my own. And so having a 50-50 partner that can go out and we can start, okay, what are we taking on next? So now we're pushing in the U.S. We have interest in Australia and people in Australia. We have people in Germany, people in, in uh, England that are quite interested. But it's actually now building that sales team and the whole situation that we're getting into that we're really starting to chase. We realized how much we were lacking in, you know, in sales and in marketing. And that's yeah. been our, that's been our, uh, our new ventures to push towards that. It's, it's growing that system and getting it in place so that when we do go take on those areas, now that we do have it backed up properly, that we can take those next steps. You know, it's, uh, we're looking for the right partners. We've talked to some different people. Uh, you know, I've hung on tight. I, I, I talk about holding as many balloons in your arms as you can, and you just watch balloons go up and you just try to hang on to as many as you can. Yeah. And I let some pretty amazing balloons go up, which I wouldn't have, you know, yeah. along the way, but, uh, it doesn't mean they can't be, um, recaught again. Right. So we're just looking very carefully as to what we should be doing next. We've got, uh, we've got a Caterpillar dealer in the U.S., Ziegler Cat, and we're looking at a couple others that are very interested, and we're just excited about, you know, stepping out there. It's done so well for the Caterpillar dealer here in Western Canada. Uh, our product definitely drives their highest revenue, like their, it's their most profitable product in their rental fleet. And it takes time. It takes, so to build the business, that's the one part is understanding what it takes, and you actually have to almost have the team in place. Like you don't just add one or two people as you go, you have to have a team and then that team stays that same size, but you have to be that size to get the thing going. And then once it's going, it's not like a construction company where you need 200 employees for one job and then only 50 for another. It's more like you need to start with six or eight people and you will only need those six or eight people till you open another location or go to the next thing. Right. But if you don't start with that many, it, it just, it's too arduous for the people to get it going. So it's getting that, we're developing a business plan around that that's actually for the the customer that wants, and we're trying to put all that together. 
we're going into virtual reality with uh, Tenstar. They're using our our trend safety products in theirs for training. Uh, we're just trying to come up with better ways to enter the market, and that's actually why we started watching you guys and found this group of people that are like-minded looking for a better way to do things. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, it sounds like it's just an incredible product. You know, it's light, it's safe, it's fast. I guess the one question I have is I saw so many different configurations. I assume that it, there's based on whatever it is that you're doing, you've got different parts and pieces that as you're assembling, you know, this box that, you know, you can assemble whatever that you need based on what you're doing. Yes. And it, that's, so you need quite a fleet to do that. And, but you still need a fleet of the other product as well. And, you know, it's, it's very expensive to do a three and four sided box with the traditional because the engineering involved, and then you can't even just go do it. You have to have an engineer drawing that says you can do it a certain way, then you can go do it. And, uh, that's been, that's been a very, um, like ours is engineered into the whole system. So when they grab ours, they just, you simply click the corners on, drop the end panel in, you got a three-sided, you can do the same, make a four-sided, you can stack it. Once you get over 20 feet in many parts of the countries, they start to need a, um, uh, an in, like a site-specific engineer drawing to go over 20 feet deep. Then other engineers have to get involved and we've been working with companies out of the U.S. doing that, so. Very good. I assume that part of the sales process is just general conversation with contractors. You're learning, Hey, what are you doing? What's going on? And there's a, there, is there a consulting side to your business of coaching? You know, I'm just trying to think through, like, if there's somebody out there that's interested in this, they're wanting to go down this route. Are they going to be able to talk with someone from your company or like, what's the process look like? Scott Smith has been with us since he was our first employee in 2004. And uh, he's our general manager, but he also takes care of all training. Uh, he built a really nice program for training a product and teaching companies how to use it. Um, and that's, it's, it's actually once it, it, it it's, it's, um, simply difficult. So it looks difficult until you see how simple it is to do it. So like people get it and they're like, Oh, you know, because it's so different, but as yeah. soon as they, and they're like, Oh, come on. And so it really is. It really is like, we tried to take the hard things and make them easy. And I think we've done a really good job in a lot of ways. And I'm not saying there's a, I still, I'm bursting with things I want to add to it, you know? Sure. And, uh, What's been the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome? Um, as far as, well, in the first, um, we did this without the capital we needed. So once in there, once you get that going, that's, I'd say that. Then the second one is, uh, you know, there, there's already, they've been doing trend safety for since the seventies. There's some big groups that are already doing it the way they do it. Uh, they very much like my system, all of them very much like it. And they've got a good system too, but it's letting it into the market in a way that doesn't disrupt what they're already doing. The business models of the really large companies already doing this has been a challenge, but not it's starting. It'll overcome itself in time, right? It's, it's about, it's about like, are you nervous of it being uh, here? Uh, because it really has displaced all of the product in 
Western Canada. It, it really, there's still other people using the traditional, but we're definitely dominating it. And they can see that and it's letting it in without destroying their own profitability and business model. Uh, I didn't realize that that was even a thing. And so that's been a challenge in a way. And then uh, just realizing we need a really strong sales team and getting it out and getting market acceptance as people start using it. Um, there's definitely a cancel culture around my stuff. How's that? <laughs> they oh, certainly, <laughs> there, there's yeah. certainly a group of people that don't want us out there doing it, but that's just, that's part of the, and they will, they will, you know, yeah. I, I don't, it's just a, it's a case of it's, um, it, it can, it can, it disrupts a market. Yeah. So, that's super uh, interesting. You know, one, th one thing we talk about around Buildwood all the time is like, you know, um, we, we hope that, you know, we talk about like for the dirt world, by the dirt world, like we're in this market. This is what we do. It's like, we're a, we're a creative agency. We have a hiring platform. We're training, we're building engagement through events. It's like, yeah, there's other places that you can go, but man, we can't like, we're passionate. Our mission is to make the dirt world a better place. Like help us, you know, help us grow our business so that we can do for the greater good of the industry. And as I, hear your story talking about, you know, being an inventor, problem solution, you know, delivering for the dirt world. It's like, I, I hope that people listening will, will hear your story, connect with you, understand that you are for the dirt world, you're in the dirt world, you're manufacturing and, and that you're trying to do things, you know, better, faster, safer for them. And, and that, yeah, it may feel like you're disrupting, but it's just another alternative solution that if they'll give it a try, there's a huge opportunity and upside to working with, with Groundworks. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I don't want to sound, I hope I didn't sound disrespectful towards anybody. No, not at all. Saying like towards, you know, my competition or anything else. Sure. They're all really good people. I haven't yeah. met anybody I don't like in the whole group of everybody there. Of course. You know, I, I'd shake any of their hands or sit down and have dinner with them. I would, you know, it's uh, yeah. And so not that it's, but it's, I understand their challenge. I've actually tried to put myself in their shoes and there is a challenge to such, if you have, you know, two or three or $400 million in existing gear and it still has a lifespan of 15 or 20 years or more, um, pretty hard to want to start to watch that go the way of the dodo, right? Like you, you don't want those things to take place. So yeah. I want to help them. I've even tried to come up with ways to help them as well, because there's, I, there's a way to do this without, without it, you know, the end users, we don't yeah. have a problem. We don't have a problem there, but again, if they've got a whole bunch of fleet to switch over, you know, and they do, we've got, we've got quite a few customers that have, both traditional and our product and they keep growing our product lines we are more expensive and the the whole the whole industry is dri was driven on price because everyone did the exact same thing it's too bad they didn't standardize their collars and stuff um they went and moved like so it's a seven inch collar with an eight inch pipe and then the hole is set at let's say two and a half inches away from the edge with a two inch hole or two and a quarter inch hole for a two inch bin but some will move them to two and a half and some will move them to two and three quarters. And they, and they, and you know, they did these things that actually the fleets don't integrate from one manufacturer to the other, which makes no sense. It'd be way better because they even have that problem. Like 
as as they amalgamate and grow in girth and the the you know they join forces to become a larger business they've ran into serious fleet you know they have to do fleet repair and fleet integration so that the thing works together even in theirs and so this would eventually eliminate that because it would all be the same connection the same system you know and going forwards and and we're really careful even as we're coming up with something new that we don't that we don't get you know that we don't make anything obsolete in our product lines so you're an incredible human business leader i, l- I love that i'm glad that you clarified that i mean obviously uh you know uh, there are a lot of people out there with certain fleet that they've got, you know, some, some lifespan in and trying to figure out how to, how to do that. So I'm glad that you really took the extra time to, to clarify and, and what that looks like. Well, as we start to transition out of the business side, I want to move into a little bit on leadership and workforce development. Uh, you know, our industry as a whole is is struggling right now with with finding that next generation you know that by the numbers uh you know 40 percent of the industry is going to retire by the year 2031 we need over 500,000 new people coming into the industry every year for the next decade plus um you know it's going to require us in the dirt world to really make it a place that people want to be and so we've got to take a look in the mirror think through our leadership We've got to think through what we're doing with workforce development. So just as you've traveled, seen the industry, working in the industry, either what are some things that you're doing within your own organization or what are some things that you're seeing out there, you know, from a, from a leadership perspective, you know, like what is leadership to you and what do we need to be working on? Well, um, a culture of honor and respect. We've had a lot of people for a long time because we treat each other I try, I try not to treat anyone, the way, you know, obviously everybody answers the wrong way sometimes or does things in a moment, but overall, my goal is to treat people exactly how I'd want to be treated, no matter where they're at. And, and so that's, that's first and foremost in our business. We don't tolerate people. I don't care how good someone is, if they're angry and upset all the time and they're treating people, mistreating people, I, they can't stay with me. I just... You know, I have to control myself. I'm sorry, you got it too. So that's something we really guard because that's something that, you know, that you take place and grow in. That's part of leadership, I would say. Um, Getting people, uh, we're just trying to get people more educated. Um, And that was, that was as we started looking, okay, what do we need to go from 70 people to 150 or 200 people? What's our moves to, you know, should we be doing our own rental stores? Should we be, and then do our own greenfield starts and then, you know, help people take the bricks and mortar over and how do you create that system? And we're realizing, then we started getting into the traction book and the EOS system and, and all the stuff that we realized you guys were a part of. And as we were looking, that's what we found is that, is that you, your culture and what you guys are going after lines up with what we're going after and the people that are in your business that are going to these the leadership part of this they seem to be after the same things like i really like sergeant talking about you know a school within your own business to train your operators up from the people grow them up into it instead of taking them from someone else and and it's like help them be just and create careers for people and help them back into it and, and, you know, instead of it being the place you go because you didn't do anything else, be the place you go because you want to. 
So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what, what I've got out of what's going on. And uh, definitely, you know, since, truthfully, since Mike's come on and I'm not just a bumper between payables and receivables as I try to grow too hard and, uh, and I'm actually can sit and think and, and move towards leadership. This is, and my wife's finishing up homeschooling somewhat and she's stepping in and she's doing, Danielle studies and studies, like she says, you're inside looking, I'm outside looking, and we're bringing it all together. And we really do. We spend a lot of hours uh, discussing how to bring it all together with the team. We do a couple of weekly meetings. We're getting more meetings going within the meetings so that everybody's informed, and that's how we're getting it started within our businesses. And we want everyone to take ownership of what we're doing. Like tomorrow we'll we're, there's a lot of people, you know, there's been turnover, different things. There's a lot of people that build all our components that have never seen our boxes go together. So tomorrow, actually, we're doing a barbecue and setting up all our boxes at work. And we're going to be, you know, just kind of showing everybody so they can see how they're making a difference. Because if you if you don't own it, like if you don't, and, and we really do, like, again, you look at some of the companies that, that are second, third, fourth generation that have brought ownership into employees and do different things like that. You know, those are kind of dreams that that I'd like to see take place. It'd be fun to to help lots of people that helped you, you know? Yeah. No, that's incredible. You know, I'm hearing all these little nuggets. You know, you're talking about EOS, incredible, uh, you know, system, the entrepreneurial operating system, book written by Gina Wickman, Traction, incredible for our listeners. If you haven't read it, it's an incredible book. Build what runs on EOS. Um, you know, helps just create that vision, you know, the alignment, the meeting cadence, scoreboards, metrics, you know, and you ultimately get traction in your business. You start to see, you know, that success, uh, you well, know, you may, please. What I, what I seen was in that, I feel like always spinning, whereas you, the traction literally is a board of, of tracks that everyone stays on and you steady stay on it's a, it's just a grid that everyone keeps bringing that information forward and it it takes it away from one or two people pushing with their shoulder not able to do what they should be doing to hey we're all doing what we should be doing into a new system of it'll make it excellent i i see what what the outcome is and it's not it's not like i'll get to do what i want but i'll get to do what i want to really grow the business and really make a difference. So that's, that's instead of what I have to all the time, because I'm, I'm taking it on without making the system move forward. You can talk about it, but if you don't talk about it and then get it to release and bring back information and keep moving forwards and taking on the problems and, and creating solutions and actually sticking to some and don't overdo it. I'm learning that I, like I try to, I try to do too many things. And my brother always said one thing, excellent, a couple things, really good, and a whole bunch of things, terrible. And I ride the edge because I push pretty hard. So, <laughs> you know, it's, that's where that system will really help us. And I'm totally. infant in it. I'm very infant in it, but I'm definitely moving towards it. And it's something I really want to be yeah. a part of. Totally agree. You know, just a couple other quick call outs that I heard you talking about was, you know, mentioning Herb and Sargent, uh, what, what an incredible leader and organization they are, uh, just lots of wisdom and wise words of love listening to, you know, his podcast and hearing yeah. him talk. I got to meet him at con expo this past, uh, March. And so that was incredible opportunity. 
I'm also hearing you talk about, you know, working with your people and, and your wife and your business partner. You're not only working on the business, but you're working in the business. And so it's that, that relationship of strategy, but then also tactical, the integrations, like you haven't lost connection to what you're, what you're actually building, which is super cool. Sounds like you've got some alignment in terms of vision and, and where you guys are going. And I love hearing you talk about the barbecue, like businesses require culture and, you know, having a cookout, a barbecue can really bring people together, opens them up, get to hear what's going on. Some of that shop talk is just super important, you know, within organizations and, you know, some of the best companies across the country that we've seen that are, you know, wildly successful are the ones that bring the grill out to the job site or have the picnics or, you know, do some of those things. So I hope that as we continue to have the high demands for our, for our products and services and for building construction in the dirt world, I, I hope that we still take time out for those barbecues and building relationships and, and uh, you know, holding true to some of those values that have gotten us to where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really fun. You know, That's we tried, super cool. yeah, we started more last year. We only got in, uh, this will only be our second one this year, and but we'll get, we'll probably pull one more yet, um, just getting ready for these other events we're doing. But we do it, you know, we, it's exciting. Next year, we'll plan farther out and get them booked right into times and set it out and put it in our operating system, you know, and just keep advancing these things that should be on there and, and delegating people to, to do it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. I think those things really start to build trust and transparency. And so, you know, as you start trying to solve workforce development challenges that are out there, we've talked a little bit about creating this, this place that people want to be, you know, by having that culture of learning, grow and conversations and, and coming together, I think that it really creates an opportunity, you know, so that when you are providing that education and training and trying new things and, you know, reading books or listening to podcasts or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, it just, it, it creates an opportunity for people um, to really advance in their career paths and to see that. So what are you guys doing? I'm just kind of curious from a workforce development of those 70 individuals, what do you guys do to learn and grow and how are you developing your, your workforce? So the very next thing we're doing right now is, is the traction book. And that that's what we're right now. It's in the management's hands. We started with, I started with the, the, uh, the audiobook because I drive 35 minutes a day to work. So I started with an audiobook. Then we go to, we get it on paper. Then we just keep bringing it up in the meetings. We're all starting to learn. Now we're going to start delegating. We're doing the, we'll start breaking down the, um, the, the org chart. That's where we're at right now is trying to get the org chart figured out. That's what shows we're completely naked in marketing and sales. And, and that's really what we want to go after next. And then as, again, as we're coming out and having my partner and being able to do the things and having more prosperity around us, we want to start to educate our leaders more and put, just put more towards the people as we're running, you know, inventing something. Uh, you think, like I told you the other day, I thought, I thought I arrived and then I realized I just began. And, uh, you know, I think we're in a really good spot where we can educate people, people from within can grow up within our business. We're trying to pick, you know, if this person was here, what would it look like? If this person was here, what it would look like? And because we got some very trustworthy, amazing people 
and others that are just rising up into it too. And, and they're starting to recognize, oh, I can be more than just have my head down and be a welder and just, you know, because uh, our, our lead in weld, Kyle, he, he says, you know, too much time under that helmet gives you too much time alone. You know, it, it's, there's something about it, right? So you got to get in, he said, you get in your own head too much. So you got to, so there is that. We want to be able to get people into different areas and do different things. I want to develop processes. I, we really do have a unique way of manufacturing. I can, I can build things that are completely different than, it's fun. It's fun. We came up with some really cool ways. And so we want to develop that even more. And I like suggestions from the people and then take over areas. We tried robotic welding, but I bought the wrong welders and, uh, and it just wasn't repeatable enough in what we were trying to do. I wanted to weld my big panels with them, but I couldn't, I could now with the new equipment that's out there with these scanning methods, I would, I would go again, you know, eventually again, we'll try it, but we're going to really lean our shop out and get it going in this next year. We're going to, that's going to be our next education is getting that going. We're just installing, uh, it'll be, we'll have the two largest, uh, Trump plate lasers in Western Canada. We got a 20 foot and a 24 foot, but they're fiber lasers. They're very expensive machines, but we just finished the concrete that that'll be installed in the next couple of weeks. And it'll, that really gives us a new level of production output because our bottleneck was, uh, so we use well bay, uh, the well bay gauges what everything else can do. So if cutting, if, if weld has to slow because of cutting, you can see, you can easily see the bottleneck and you can throttle with the well bay. So, and that's what we're kind of doing. Now we've got the bottleneck out of cutting and machining. Uh, we just added more machining centers. And so then, uh, we're building another paint booth for paint and assembly. And we feel like we'll be able to more than double our production with just with what we have around us right now with this next piece of equipment, but then just creating efficiencies, uh, Mike's group, he's got a group called triumph industries and they built some really cool boom, boom pieces for welders and just some, they work really well and it keeps it up. They've gotten a whole bunch more efficient and we're going to try to do the same thing. And we're working together. He wants to now start getting his teams of his other companies together and us to meet and, and just share ideas and just grow as a group. So it's, uh, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, man. I'm so excited for you. You're, you're obviously a, a leader yourself. You're, you know, learn and grow type person. You're a visionary. Uh, you're innovative. You're an entrepreneur. Uh, you challenge your teams to get better every day. You've got incredible values and you've surrounded yourself with, with great people. So you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the best is yet to come for you and your organization. Uh, and, you know, Jim, I just want to thank you for joining us on the Dirt World podcast today. We are grateful for groundwork safety systems support at the area at Dirt World Summit and all you are doing to make the Dirt World a better place. Uh, you can find Jim or groundwork safety systems on LinkedIn, Instagram and YouTube or you can visit them at gwss.ca. Once again, that's gwss.ca. You can learn more about BuildWit for insights into leadership and workforce development. You can visit our website at buildwit.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, keep leading in the dirt world, building people, projects, and communities. Jim, thank you so much. Yeah,